another special edition Purple and Bold podcast. I'm Shane Metlin. I'm sitting atop the Pensacola Base Center uh, as Marshall and Texas State battle a close one in the Sun Belt Conference quarterfinal round here on Saturday, March 4th in Pensacola, Florida. <clears throat> but not talking too much about the herd or the Bobcats right now. Uh, I know you Jamie fans are a little more interested in the other side of the bracket at this point. JMU, the men, defeated Troy. JMU, the four seed. Troy, the fifth seed in the Sun Belt Tournament. Jamie's inaugural Sun Belt Basketball Tournament to advance to the semifinal round where the Dukes will take on number eight seed South Alabama on Sunday afternoon, evening-ish here at the Pensacola Bay Center. The Dukes advance to the conference semifinals, the semifinals of any conference they've been in for the first time since 2013. JMU fans will remember that 2013 was the last time the Dukes went to the NCAA tournament. They're now two victories away from matching that feat and really kind of just um, <clears throat> getting back to where I think everybody thinks this program ought to be with the resources it's had, with the success the rest of the athletic department has had, that the occasional NCAA tournament berth should not be out of reach. Being in con contention for conference championships should be a goal for JMU on the men's basketball side. And that's where they're at now. They're one of, though by the end of the today, they'll be one of four teams remaining. They were one of the top four seeds in the tournament. Living up to the expectations there. After winning a hard-fought game against Troy today. We'll get into depth with that before we do also mention the JMU women in the semifinals tomorrow after beating Marshall yesterday here. Same arena, same place. Two tournaments going on simultaneously this week in Pensacola. Pretty awesome setup for the Sun Belt the way they have it. Um, we can get into kind of the the ups and downs, the uh, pros and cons of that <coughs> situations where, you know, it was brought up on the women's side uh, after Troy loses to ODU in a 4-5 game, uh, much like the one Jamie men played today that went down to the wire. Um, Shonda Rigby, the Troy coach, Troy women's coach, <coughs> discussing how there is a little bit of a disadvantage in that particular round for the four seed coming in having not played a game in this building while the five seed ostensibly there's not a ton of difference between those teams based on what they did in the regular season the five seed gets the advantage of having played in this building already getting used to the rims getting used to the sight lines everything that goes along with <clears throat> playing in a new arena a hockey arena where there's a little bit different look at the rim um, compared to a lot of the home arenas for Sunbelt where they're made for basketball and other events not necessarily ice hockey so I mean that was a topic of discussion after that game if the five seed actually has a little bit of an advantage of that the four seed certainly has an advantage overall in the tournament if they can advance because they're playing fewer games they only have to win three games to win the thing um, but in that particular round maybe it is a little bit of an advantage to the five seed we'll see what they do especially when in the Sun Belt where they're playing the men's and women simultaneously so that means that there's a day off between that second round and the quarterfinal round where the fours and fives meet. I can see the point a little bit, but at the same time, we make a big deal about the double bye all season long 
building up the regular season play and the maining of the finishing in the top four in the regular season. Going back on that, you know, once you get here to the conference tournament, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But in this one particular round, I do see where that can be um, topic conversation. The JMU men, however, didn't have that problem. They won. They're moving on. And the JMU women, as the top overall seed, they beat number eight Marshall in their quarterfinal game, which allows them to move on, and they will face rival, arch rival, Old Dominion, that five seed we were talking about that beat Troy on the women's side, faced them in the semifinals. Couldn't ask for any better semifinal matchup. The only thing I think you could ask for is for ODU and JMU to have been on the opposite side of their brackets so that these old rivals could have had the opportunity to play in the championship game because getting back into the same conference, this is exactly the kind of thing. This is the reason, among many reasons, that ODU president Brian Hempel was present when JMU makes their presentation to the state legislature to be able to move up from SCS to FBS in football and join the Sun Belt Conference. And ODU's president is there to show his support for that because he wanted to have these type of events involving these two schools. And women's basketball, a huge deal at both schools. You could argue women's basketball, a huge deal at both schools. And you could argue that JMU and ODU have um, historically, over the past several decades, have made women's basketball as much of a priority as almost any place in the country. You know, there's the Tennessees, there's the Yukons, now South Carolina of the world. Uh, you know, Baylor, LSU. So there are some big schools, some power five schools with tons of resources that put that money behind women's basketball at the mid-major level, certainly, um, but really all around. There haven't been too many programs, too many schools that have put an emphasis on their women's basketball program through the decades that JMU and ODU have. And the success is shown on the floor. Um, you know, ODU was a national power for a long time, and in their later days in the CAA, JMU rose up and caught them. JMU has a winning record or a winning streak against the Monarchs now. Um, swept the regular season against ODU, but in close games, including an overtime victory in Norfolk a few weeks ago, ODU's playing really well. They're able to pull out the win against Troy, although somewhat controversially with. Six players on the floor late in the game that did not get caught. Should have been a technical foul. Should have gave Troy an opportunity to win it late. Didn't happen. Troy moves on, so we get the rivalry matchup. JMU's coming off the win against, against a pretty solid Marshall team that was playing well down the stretch. Abby Beeman, towards the end of the season, was probably playing about as well as anybody in the conference for Marshall. And now JMU uh, got by them. Sets up the ODU room. JMU did a balanced effort, really, really strong defensive effort against the third to get there. Um, lead scorer for the Dukes was Kiki Jefferson with 12 points. It wasn't one of her 30-point efforts that she's had this season, uh, but played really well. She's bouncing back. Looks to be maybe a little bit banged up at times, I'm sure. The tournament format where there is some days off in between games in the early rounds potentially helps Jamie a little bit because it just looks like this is outside observation uh, no inside information uh, it looks like she's you know just stiff a little banged up a little bit slow a little maybe a step slower than she is at times 
Um, but, you know, she didn't have to play a ton of minutes or put out a ton of effort uh, to get 12 points, to get the victory against Marshall. Hopefully, she, if you're a JMU fan, hopefully she'll be fresh um, for the semifinal match against ODU, which, you know, as I just mentioned earlier, you, you couldn't ask for much more. I know I, I talked about, the, you know, the, the JMU-ODU side of things. But, I mean, if you're Commissioner Keith Gill of the Sunbelt Conference and you get this kind of matchup in your tournament, in the semifinals, with a lot on the line, both of those fan bases will be engaged in that. Um, a lot of people, this being the start of the weekend on Saturday, a lot of people got into town for this tournament last night, early this morning, for these Saturday games, and will be here for Sunday's semifinals, both for the men and the women. Um, be very interesting to see the crowds uh you know speaking of the crowds a good transition to the men's side where jmu taking on the number eight seed you might think they caught a little bit of a break with south alabama beating number one seed southern miss but the jaguars are playing really well red, absolutely red hot closing the season they handled southern miss easily after destroying southern miss in mobile Early in the early late late in the season earlier um, last month, but South Alabama all of a sudden doesn't look like a team JMU necessarily wants to play. Um, playing so well and have size with seven footer Kevin Samuel, really good guard play. They won that game for a reason. You go back and look at their overall record on the season they've lost so many close games to good teams some really good teams we're talking about you know close losses to Oklahoma close losses to Alabama really really good teams that they played um, and you know some close losses to the top tier teams in the Sun Belt uh, and a close win against James Madison in Mobile earlier this season you'll get uh, if you're into the metrics the numbers the analytics KenPalm.com right now has Southern Southern Alabama all of a sudden ranked ahead of JMU, both in the top 100, but they passed JMU with their win against Southern Miss earlier today, and a one-point favorite, which essentially means it's anybody's game tomorrow against South Alabama. But as this is a neutral site, um, probably worth noting that South Alabama is the closest team to Pensacola. There is no Sunbelt team in the state of Florida, but we're right here on the Alabama border. And it's about an hour to Mobile, Alabama. Southern Miss had a good, or Southern Miss did have a good crowd here today. South Alabama also had a good crowd here today. That was a really good atmosphere for game one with both of those teams within driving distance. Um, but you look around right now, JMU had a pretty solid showing for today's game. Their section was pretty out. They made some noise. But you look around, Marshall has traveled extremely well. There's a lot of green around this arena right now as the Thundering Herd uh, is leading Texas State in the second half here as I record this. They're going to have a good showing. But I expect Al South Alabama to have a really good crowd on hand tomorrow just because it's an hour's drive. They had fans who were already here what they're going to have now is like fans who can say, oh, we're in the semifinals. Let's just head over there tomorrow, see how it goes. And, you know, maybe even on Monday, if they happen to beat JMU and make it to the finals, they have the opportunity to uh, drive in, pick up tickets, 
uh, day of and really packs this place with some South Alabama fans. So it's not necessarily going to be a friendly crowd for JMU here on out. <coughs> but the Dukes do move forward. They do play South Alabama team that they should should match up with fairly well. They don't have a seven-footer like Kevin Samuel uh, at South Alabama, but JMU's post players have been playing pretty well. They can throw lots of guys at Samuel. They can throw lots of fouls at Samuel, who is a terrible free-throw shooter. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a um, strategy for JMU rather than just letting him shoot, make him shoot it from the free-throw line because you know he can score from three, four feet in, but will really struggle at the free throw line. And Jamie has got four bigs that they will play regular minutes um, that they can, <coughs> you know, rotate through, um, get those minutes out of, and then and some fouls. That's 20, you know, 20 fouls to give there. And if you need to, like, you know, maybe situationally put in a um, Jarrell Roberson, the freshman who hasn't played very much, but is 6'9", has a size, put him in just to, you know, body up with Samuel for a few minutes that wouldn't shock me necessarily or you know go with a lineup where maybe you're going small with a Terrence Edwards or to Kyle Molson at the four and then say okay is Samuel going to guard a Mezzi Offerum who has guard skills um, and you know, we can get into uh, Mezzi a little bit talk about the JMU victory today Mezzi Offerum may be a little bit of the unsung hero in this one, in my mind, he's not Terrence Edwards, who finished with 27 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, was just unstoppable today. A huge game for Terrence Edwards. Uh, to call Molson had another good game, 15 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Uh, Noah Friedel hit some big shots, finished with 10 points, and. And Alonzo Sule is healthy now. You can see it. He's got the energy. He's got the bounce back. He's healthy. Ten points, another double-figure scoring day for him. Six rebounds. Played with a lot of energy. He fouled out late, but um, had a huge dunk late in the game uh, in the final minute that uh, put Jamie up by four to really kind of uh, seal that. He's going to be an important key against a, a big South Alabama team. He played really well. But Mezzi Offerum, 1.3 rebounds. He struggled a little bit offensively. He missed some shots. But it doesn't tell the story of what he did for JMU today. When you look at his um, defensive game, South Alabama's Nelson Phillips, who every time I hear that name, I think about those bands from the uh, – early 90s I had a few hits Nelson and Wilson Phillips where their parents were the 60s pop stars I, I hear Nelson Phillips and I think like he should have like some sort of song from the early 90s but I'm digressing Nelson Phillips had a good game for Troy today uh, 20 points 9 rebounds but you got to keep in mind that he had 11 points early JMU put he's a 6-3 guard who can also get in there and rebound a little bit he's got really long arms Jamie was guarding him with their guards early in the game. He he comes middle of the game. JMU put Mezzi Offerum on him, a 6'8 guy who can play all five positions. They put him on them. In the middle portion of the game, he did not score. 
for probably like a good 15 minutes in the middle portion of the game, Phillips was non-existent in their offense. He finishes with 20, got some buckets late, but JMU was able to build their lead during that time. During that time, they got up by 12, they got up by 11, they were up by nine. They had a two, three, four possession lead for the vast majority of the middle portion of the game. Uh, Troy was able to make it close late, but Jamie really like got their comfort, um, got the cushion they needed to close this one out during that period. And it was when Mezzi was guarding Nelson Phillips. Going to be really interesting to see what they do with Mezzi defensively. I mean, they'll probably use him in a variety of ways. They'll throw a bunch of different looks at South Alabama tomorrow. But I'm very curious to see what they do with Mezzi defensively. He's not playing particularly well offensively here the last few games, but he's really helped them on defense. They really hurt defensively in their loss to Marshall late in the regular season because they didn't have Mezzi after some foul trouble. And, <clears throat> and it hurt them. They'll have him for this game. He could guard the seven-footer Kevin Samuel at times. He could guard a smaller guard like Isaiah Ford or you know, good three-point shooters that uh, <clears throat> South Alabama has a lot of. You could put him on one of those smaller guys, make them shoot over his long arms, make them try to get to the basket around him. He can keep them in front of him. He could be a huge difference maker on the defensive end, and if he starts hitting some shots which he knows he's capable of, if he gets into that 10.7 rebound range, along with another good game from Alonzo Sule, I like JMU's chances if they get good play from those two guys. It seems like <clears throat> it seems like they got enough firepower in the backcourt. Someone should step up. It's not the same guy every time. Mark Bynes said today he talked about it. It's like I've got a lot of guys who are basically starters. Only five of them get announced at the beginning of the game. But what I have is a whole team full of finishers. And you saw that today. You had different guys on the court to finish this game. Um, you know, with the game on the line, Terrence Edwards is the sixth man of the year. He's on the floor. Noah Friedel didn't get the start today. He's on the floor with the game on the line. It says what you ha what Jamie has and what can be a big advantage in a tournament setting like this. And they're now in a situation where they just have to win two games in two days to go to the NCAA tournament, which would be Mark Byington's first NCAA tournament. It would be um, it would be JMU's first NCAA tournament in a decade. The regular season success has been there at times throughout the eras of JMU basketball. Winning a conference tournament has been a huge challenge. It's always a huge challenge. It'd be a momentous thing. Same for the women. They haven't won a conference tournament title in a while. They've been fairly steady, successful, with the exception of a year or two here or there, where they've been at or near the top of whatever conference they're playing in. In the women's side, they need two more wins to get to an NCAA tournament, which I think would kind of solidify Sean O'Regan's resume as one of the best coaches around when it comes to women's basketball. That's at all levels. I'm not just qualifying that as a mid-major thing. You know, when you look at his winning percentage, his success, the number of conference championships he has in the regular season, which frankly is harder to do than, you know, maybe not harder to do, but it's more impressive. It's a better indication of like what kind of program you've built than maybe whether or not you get lucky over three days in March. 
but getting that NCAA tournament berth would be a huge thing. There's been some, you know, <coughs> bad luck that's kept him out of the NCAA tournament. He had a team in 2020 that was almost certainly going to the NCAA tournament, even if they didn't win the conference tournament. Um, and that's uh, postseason's canceled due to COVID-19. He's had some bad luck. Both coaches now heading into Sunday semifinal round for JMU. It would be huge for both of them to get to the championship game and have that opportunity to play for their first NCAA tournament first. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. The uh, special edition will keep them coming this week. It won't be a weekly thing. It'll be daily or almost daily uh, from Pensacola. Special edition Purple and Bold podcast. I'm Shane Metlin at the Pensacola Bay Center. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening.